you have your Bibles, open them up already for 1 John. If you need a Bible, we want everybody to follow along. Get your phone out, your Bible app. If you want to borrow a Bible, Mike will give you a Bible. Um, don't be shy. Just raise your hand if you need a Bible or cough or something, and Mike will come up and give you a Bible, hit you on the head with one. But that, that idea of, of, of Jesus loves people right where they are. You know, you've heard it say that, that, that Jesus loves you just the way you are and come just as you are. And, and really, that, that is the truth of the gospel. And anywhere you go in the gospel, anywhere you look in the life of Jesus, Jesus loved broken people. Jesus wants the rose. Jesus, Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't take us um, and leave us where we are. Jesus will take you right where you are, but he loves you so much that he wants to bring you to where he is, that he wants to rearrange the furniture in your life. He wants to do something in your heart, but there's nothing too bad, too terrible that Jesus doesn't love and doesn't manage. Amen? Jesus wants the rose. And, and again, you know, there's so much out there that's an enemy of the gospel. There's so much out there that's there's so many times where you come to church where Christianity can be about what we're against instead of what we're for. And there's so much that 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 we're for. And yes, there's there's things that are just sin and wrong. But I want to tell you, and especially if you're new here this morning, we, we as we gather, you know, our passion for Christ, our passion for church and what we do, it, it's Jesus and it's to know Jesus it, it's not that, you know, um, it, it's a matter of, of, of the right thing to do or, you know, I get to check in the box or if I come to church and I read my Bible, then I get to get some brownie points from the Lord or this one you hear all the time. Oh, oh my kids need religion. And so I just for my kids, my kids needed some true north. And so, you know, we just come for this this ethical, moral kind of, you know, teaching that, 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 that helps us with with ethics and morals and and, and right and wrong and and check in the box and, and and doing this religion thing. I want to tell you that that's that's hopefully not why any of us gathered this morning, that, that either Jesus is alive or he's not. Somebody say Jesus is alive. If Jesus is really alive, don't you want to know him today? Don't you want to relate to him? We're, we're studying right now this series called Friend of Jesus. The author, we're calling him Old Man John. John is the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John, as in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote that. He wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And after, I believe after many, you know, the timeline's right within the same period, but maybe after he was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation, he comes back and we know he's in a city called Ephesus late in life. And, 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 and that many scholars believe that first, second and third John are the last books chronologically recorded in the New Testament. And so now we have old man John. Last week, we started with young man John. We, we found this guy who was called as a teenager to be a disciple of Jesus. He was mending his nets as a fisherman. And as you guys know, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to make you guys fishers of men and, and come and follow me. And John left tending his nets, his father's successful business as a young teenager. And he started following Jesus for three years as Jesus began to redirect his life. When John first started out, he was an angry young man. They went to preach and people didn't receive the message that Jesus brought. And John said, let's kill them all, Lord. Just turn me loose. I'll, I'll go in there like Rambo and I'll take care of every one of them. 
He wanted to kill and turn every one of them into crispy critters and ask God to call down fire from heaven. And we see as John grows in his relationship with Jesus, now where we, we find John in 1 John, late in life, we find old man John. This is Grandpa John. Now he's your grandpa. He's, he's lived it. He doesn't got nothing to prove. He's not trying to win any points. He's shooting straight because he's about to die. He's already lived it. He's already seen it. He doesn't need to impress you. He doesn't need any likes on his Instagram or his Facebook or, or whatever. He doesn't need any followers. He just is going to shoot it straight from the heart. And John's message is really simple. What is it? It's what? Somebody told you over here. What's the message? Come on, y'all. The message is love. Specifically, love one another. That, that's really it. In the New Testament, there's something like 15,000 different vocabulary words that are used. Old man John writes three, three letters, and he only uses 305 vocabulary words. So it's really redundant. As you read through it, you find it like, oftentimes we'll be reading it, and I'll go, didn't I just read that? And I'll like look back, like see that I lost my place or something? I didn't lose my place. He's just saying the same thing over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. How did Jesus say that? Jesus said this. Jesus said, by this, they will know you are my disciples. By this. So what is the this? What did Jesus say that this was? Did he say, buy your um, Christian t-shirts, buy your bumper stickers, your, your fish bumper stickers on the back of your car, by your Christian tattoos you put on your body. That's how people are going to know you're my disciples. Oh, how about by your, your Christianese and your, your language? Hey, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, man. And if you use these types of terms, then, then, then people will know that you're a, a Christ follower or you're one of my disciples. What did Jesus say? He said, he said it's by your love. Now, check this out. Not, not for me. Not for God, not for Jesus. Jesus said, it's by your love one for another. By this, they'll know you're my disciples. So it's how you love the person next to you, across the aisle from you, on the other side of the room from you. It's how we love each other that are Christ followers, that are disciples. It's a community that, that Jesus wants to build. One of the things I did before I came here was I, I helped work with missions teams that would travel all over the world and do missions works. We, we had a, 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 a group of youth group that was going to Russia to do some missions work. And we were going to um, share with a band in the streets in Nizhny Novgorod, Russia. And we were going to do street witnessing and pass out flyers and have an American band play and tell people about Jesus. And whenever we would do these types of events all over the world, we, we would tell, I would always tell the kids in these training classes and in preparing for these missions trips, I would tell them that verse. And I would say, hey, when we get over there and we hit the streets, the, the people, the Russian people, they're going to be watching us. And, and there's a certain way that they're going to know that, that we're, that's going to set, set us apart from everybody else. That's going to give us something that they want. And, 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 you know, reality is, right, if any of us went over on a missions trip, we spent our own money to go over, we brought a band, we brought a skateboard team or did something, and we showed up on the streets of Russia, if some Russian people came up to check out what we were doing, what are we going to do? We're going to smile. We're going to laugh. We're going to be happy. We're going to be friendly. We're going to be loving. And we're going to, you know, talk to them. And, and man, we traveled all the way over the world to, to find this person. But then if I turn to the person next to me who's on the trip and start cursing at him and spit on him because he's bugging me, 
The, the, they're going to see that. And I would tell the kids, you know what? It's not your love for the people that, that we're going to minister to. Really, what Jesus said, it's your love for one another. It's your love for the, the people that are in our group. And so let's focus home first. Let's love one another. And that's, that's a basic, simple concept of Christianity. Love one another. And that's old man John's message. That's the heart of what he's doing. There's, there's really, we're going to be in this series for probably 10 weeks. There's, there's one nail that I'm going to hammer so much. You're going to be tired of it when it's done, but hopefully we'll be a little more loving by the time it's all over and that we'll grow in our, in our relationship and our faith with Jesus. Now here we get the best friend of Jesus, old man, John, John was literally the, the, the BFF with Jesus when he was here on the earth. Does that bother you? Well, what about me? I want to be the best friend of Jesus. Why does he get to be the best friend of Jesus? Who does he think he is? Well, you, you, you're born a little bit late. You missed it by a couple thousand years. You're born in the wrong country, wrong time. But John, five times, calls himself the beloved disciple. So we have this guy that's described in the Gospel of John, even though he wrote the Gospel of John, and he calls himself the beloved disciple. You guys ever meet somebody that gives themselves their own nickname? Like, you, 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 hey, uh, girls, they're a little bit different. They're not going to have to worry about too much. But men, let me tell you something. Man code is you don't nickname yourself. You don't give yourself a nickname. You know, I met this guy one time. He's like, hey, my name's, my name's Wayne. Uh, but everybody called me daddy. I said, what? I'm calling you daddy? You're my daddy. You don't even look like a daddy. You look like a little kid. How about I call you Wayne? You can't nick- give yourself a nickname, especially if it's daddy. But John got away with it. John gave himself a nickname, and he says five times, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I've already, I've already unpacked it, you guys. I don't want to beat it up again. But, but that carries the idea that Jesus loved John more than the other disciples, right? Well, what if you guys came in this morning, especially if you're new, and I said, hey, how are you? I'm, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm, I'm the pastor that Jesus loves. I got, I got my Sharpie right here. Uh, what do you want me to sign? I usually, I'll sign your forehead. I usually sign it. Number one, favored, beloved pastor of Jesus. That's me. Like, right? You'd find another church next week. Like, that's, that's strange. What's wrong with these people? They're arrogant. But yet, inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit, G- John self-identifies. He gives himself a label as the one whom Jesus loves. You know what it says in John 3.16? Some of you, hey, should we do the wave for John three sixteen? Should we start over here? Jesus loves me, yes he does. No, all right. Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Don't worry, I got it memorized. I'm a pastor. It's cool. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Twenty five words. And there's one word I'm going to focus on just for a second. It says, for God so loved. Now, just to love is different, but to so love, right? We, our men's group, they're going to meet tomorrow night. You know that verse that says, by your love one for another, that's how they'll know you're my disciples. That's a verse that that I've I've always known, but God really put it on my heart when I got here to Tula three years ago. And so we started this group of men, this discipleship group. And one of the visions that I wanted to cast was that verse on our men. And so, um, and maybe they would have had this culture anyways. They didn't need me for it, you know, but tried to start a culture where the men in our group, we say to each other, 
I love you. And, and, and you listen. Listen to some of the guys around here talk. If they're part of the discipleship group, they've been here for a while. When we part ways, we say, love you. We text each other. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. And, and, and that's not strange. And if Jesus said, by your love one for another, you know, and some people are afraid to say, I love you. So they'll say, they'll kind of, I love you in Jesus. Now, I'm not weird. I don't love you, love you. But in Jesus, because I have to, I love you in Jesus. But you know, among our group, what, what, if, what if one of the guys came now? If I came to the guys and I said, Shane, I so love you. <laughs> Dude, man code is broken. I just lost a ton of points. I'm gone. I'm kicked out. You, you can't say, I so love you. You can say, I love you to the guys. But Jesus and God says, he so loved the world. The world that whosoever, and whosoever includes who? Includes everybody. Does it include that woman who was in an extramarital affair, who was a single mom, who was in that church service, and the pastor did a terrible disservice to, to the, the gospel and to the message of redemption and faith and, and the forgiveness and the, the genuine love of Jesus for his people? You know, the Pharisees did the same exact thing, right? The Pharisees brought that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, and it's a long story, not teaching it today, but basically they set her up and it was a Pharisee who was in bed with her. And then the other Pharisees come kicking in the door and they are in the middle of the act. They pull her out of the bed. She's got just the sheet wrapped around her. The guy is gone because he's, he's in on it. They drag her in front of Jesus. They lay her on the, in the dirt and they all pick up rocks and they stand around her and they're testing Jesus. And they say, Jesus, the law says, the law of Moses says that she should be stoned for adultery. What do you say? And they all hold their stones up. And you guys know the story. Jesus gets down and he begins to write in the sand. And the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, but it says one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, the Pharisees begin to drop their rocks and say, oh, hey, I just remembered, I, I, I got I to gotta go pick up some milk. I, I just remembered, I, I, I got to go. And they all left. And when there was none left, Jesus looked at this woman caught in the very act of adultery. And what did he say to her? He said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, Lord, I have none. And he said, neither do I accuse you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And what did Jesus do to that woman? He loved her. That was the rose that Jesus wanted. That was the broken, nasty rose that was used. And Jesus received it. And again, Jesus didn't leave her that way. Her life was changed. Her life got better. She, she started to experience an abundant life that God promised. Okay. Um, did, did I say we were studying First John today? Hey, last week we started the intro. So in the first service today, I got through... About halfway through the service, I, uh, I, um, I started verse 1. So I said it only took me a week and a half to do the intro to get to verse 1. But today we're going to do a little better. I'm lying. I'm sorry, guys. I forgot to set my timer. Um, I do want to start in John chapter 11. Last section of intro before we get into John 1, 1, verse 1. So turn with me, if you will, really quick, because it, it, it lays into what we're, we're talking about today. And I want to point out one more thing um, from John, the, the, the best friend of Jesus, from old man John. And so how about other people in the New Testament? Hey, last week we went... And we talked about people in the Old Testament that were the friend of Jesus. Does anybody remember who they were? Somebody name one for me. 
Abraham, the Bible says physically in these words, Abraham was a friend of God. And we, we talked about that last week. Abraham is being a friend of God. We went all the way through Adam, Enoch, Moses, David, all friends of, of God. So the idea that God wants to be our friend is nothing new. And we shouldn't have been completely shocked in John chapter 15 when Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Well, Jesus had, and we know John was Jesus's BFF. We know that for sure. But, but he wasn't the only friend that Jesus had or that Jesus was close to while he was here on the earth. There was a woman, Mary and Martha. We hear their story all the time, right? And Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus is the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. And so let's look at John chapter 11 really quick. And in John chapter 11, I just want to point out something about other people that were friends of Jesus, other people that Jesus loved. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. John chapter 11, verse 2. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord. Verse 3, it says the sisters did what? Come on, y'all wake up. The sisters did what? That's why when I tell you in the beginning, get a Bible because I'm going to like beat you over the head with my bamboo. If you don't, I'll, I'll browbeat you during the sermon. Don't trip. Um. So what does it say they did? Verse three, it says the the girls did what they sent. So they sent word to Jesus. It doesn't tell us how they sent word. So, so just for argument's sake, let's say they sent it in a letter. Maybe they sent it by messenger. Maybe they, they, they had one of the servants run and send message. Maybe they wrote it down and then gave it to the servant and they asked the servant to deliver it to Jesus. Now they're sending a letter. Lazarus is sick and they're going to ask Jesus to come and, and to heal and to touch Lazarus who is sick. Now, it, what do you think the letter said? Don't look down. What, what, what did the letter, I mean, the letter might have said, hey, Jesus, um, Lazarus is, is our brother. We love him. He's, he's your friend. He's one of your good friends. He, he's a good guy. He's really involved in our church. He, he serves at the youth group. He, he teaches, he tithes. He's a giver. He's a lover. Um, he, he's a very honorable person that, that, that needs you to come and, and heal him and touch him. And you know what? Oftentimes you guys, the truth is when we pray for people, that's how we pray. When, when Lydia's mom was dying with cancer, we had literally a million people that, that were um, praying for her. And, and, and my heart, and I think a lot of our hearts was the same, and it's just the truth. Our heart was, she, she battled cancer, pancreatic cancer, by the grace of God for nine months before the Lord took her home. And, and during that time, it was like, Lord, she's, she's a pastor's wife. She left everything she knew 30 years ago to, to come and to plant a church. She's been serving you faithfully for 30 years. She's a women's ministry teacher. She's a wonderful Bible teacher. Everybody loves her. She's a great mom. She's a great Christian. She's giving. She's loving. Lord, will you, 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 you can use her in your kingdom. She's one of yours, God. She's a good one. Lord, will you heal her? Will you touch her? And really believe that God would touch her and heal her. And, and the, the petition was always about the honor of the person that we're praying for. So let's take a look really quick at Mary and Martha. And again, Mary and Martha, they're really close to Jesus. 
There's not too many people in the New Testament that, that are really this close with close personal friends with Jesus. Mary and Martha were some of those and Lazarus included. And, and we'll see that illustrated all the way through John chapter 11. But, but it says in verse three, therefore, the sisters sent him and they said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. You know, those that were the closest to Jesus in his life were more concerned with reminding him of his love for them than trying to to build a credential on their honor. Jesus is not going to bless you because you deserve it. He's not going to bless you because you're awesome. You're not awesome. He's awesome. You're awesome because he's awesome and he's in you. He's going to bless you because he loves you. He's going to bless you in spite of you. He's going to bless you because of his great love for you. And not because we earn it, not because we deserve it. We can't add to what Jesus wants to do. You know that the Bible says that that Jesus cannot, God cannot love you any less. And, And he also cannot love you anymore. So it didn't matter. You know, the truth is just the reality. Now, don't get this twisted, but... Whether you came to church this morning or whether you decided to go hit the bar instead or the tattoo parlor or something. <laughs> you, you, Jesus loves you just the same, right? Now, now his will, his heart for you is what's good for your life is probably not to be hanging out at the bar this morning on a Sunday morning. But it wouldn't change his love for you. And when Mary and Martha, and, and as you go through and you find John, you just kind of, your, your whole thinking just tweaks a little bit. Because the people that were the closest to Jesus, that knew Jesus the most intimately, they they weren't trying to impress him with what they did for him and their credentials. They were just reminding him how much he loved them. Jesus, you love me so much. And and John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, five times says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Amen? Do you know that Jesus loves you just the same? He loves you incredibly. He wants to know you. He wants to, he has, he has compassion and desire and, and, and a plan for your life. He said, Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and that more abundantly. He's promised you an abundant life and he desires that in your life. Amen. Really quick, stay in John 11 for two verses. And then we're going to bail back to first John. It says in, in, in verse 33, It says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus was troubled. He was troubled. His heart broke because he had compassion. He was friends with Mary and Martha. And and, and you guys know the story, the part that I skipped. Lazarus, Jesus doesn't come right away. They send Jesus this letter and he waits like three days to show up. Well, in those three days that Jesus waited, Lazarus died. And when Jesus finally shows up, Mary and Martha are like, Jesus... Had you come when we called you, our brother would be well today. You could have helped. And Jesus said, you know, that's where we get one of the great I am statements of Jesus. And Jesus says to Mary, he says, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Boom. Just kidding. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then we get Mary's, Martha's confession. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the son of the living God. And, and, and then Jesus says that, then Jesus is going to go on. You guys know the story. He's going to raise him from the dead. And so then Jesus sees him and he's broken. And then we get verse 35. What does verse 35 say? Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus' heart broke. 
his heart broken, he wept because he had compassion and love for Mary and Martha and her family. Amen? Does he have the same love for you this morning? Or maybe you guys don't deserve it. Maybe you're not worthy enough. Hopefully you've heard by now that you, you, you can't be worthy enough. You won't be worthy enough. So in John chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to get to it right now. Only took me again a Sunday and a half to get here. You know, with John, they're, 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 again, because we, we're talking about old man John now. And, and there is a certain passion in his heart that, that he wants to invite you to know the Jesus that he knew. You know, many, so many times as a pastor, you know how my heart breaks? My heart breaks because people tell me about their version of Christianity. They tell me about their, their version of, of, of Jesus. And, you know, people will say all the time, and, and I know it's an excuse and it's lame and it's not true, but people say it and maybe they mean it. Oh, I, I tried. I asked Jesus in my heart. I prayed and nothing happened. And, you know, and, and I didn't have that experience. And, you know, it's not true, first of all. Either you're a liar or Jesus is a liar. And, sorry, I'm going to take, take you over Jesus. It's a liar. But my heart breaks because I'm like, I just want him to know the Jesus I know. I just want him to know the God of the Bible. I want him to know the real Jesus. If they would only experience Jesus, the real Jesus, and open to him and, and receive from him. And, and that's what John is saying. John is saying, hey, I want to invite you to have a relationship with my bestie. I want you to have an inside track to what I learned, what I know. Now as old man John, you know, even, even here, I think I shared it already even this morning. But you know what? As we gather again, you guys, we, we have to understand, listen, as, as, a, as Christ followers, as a church. Now this building is not the church, right? We all understand that. The, the building is a building. The church, Jesus said, I will build my church. The word, the Greek word is inglesia. It has nothing to do with walls and buildings. It has to do with people and souls. And so the church is made up of people who believe in Jesus all over the world is the church. In, in, in tons of different denominations, it doesn't matter. If you believe in the right Jesus, you're born again, you're saved, you're a part of the body of Christ, you're a part of the family of God, that's the church. And the church just happens to meet in this building. That the plumbing doesn't work. And it's a little humble. And we could all go meet in that dirty bathroom. And guess what? That, you know, that would be the church building because the, the church is where the people meet. People used to tell me, oh, you know, why, why do the kids are, you know, why do people wear, wear their hats in church? I said, well, actually, the, the church is wearing their hats in the building. The church is not, what do you mean the people are wearing their hats in the church? That would make this building the church. This building is a building built in 1920 and it's, it's a dump. It's not, it's not the church. The church is anywhere where the people gather. The church is where people, you know, the church is you. It's me. And as a part of the church, as a part of, of, of God's family, when we gather, it, it's, not, it's not about a bunch of morals and this, these checks in the box where we come to, you know, Jesus is pleased because I went to church today. That, that's, that's just wrong. That's not our heart. That's not our community. And again, as we build this body, as we build this church, I, I, wanna, I want you guys to have the heart when you come that, hey, I want to come and I want to have a real experience with Jesus this morning. I want to connect with Jesus this morning. I want Jesus to speak to me because he's alive and, and he's capable and he's not a T-Rex and he's got long arms and he can take selfies and he can touch me. 
and, and he can speak to me because he's the God, the creator of all the heaven and all the earth and all that's in him. And he's very capable of speaking and touching me today. Jesus, will you touch me today? Can I, can I connect with you as I connect with God's people today? And, and, and our community is not, you know, about right and wrong or about, you know, God, God will speak to your heart. Read the word, get in the word every day. The word will speak to you about morals, about do's and don'ts. Jesus will convict you if you're doing something wrong. He's capable. You don't need other people in church to, to do that for you. God will do it. And, and I trust that, that if you can just get connected with Jesus, that you can be a friend of Jesus and, and he'll, he'll do that for you. Amen? All right, First John chapter 1, verse 1. That, let's read it together. Or actually, I'll, let me read it to you. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and is manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Whoops. And the truth's not in us. I just want to make sure you got verse number eight. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so one of the first things we notice about the epistle of John, there's no introduction. Again, John doesn't got time for that. He... Ain't nobody got time for that. I knew somebody was thinking it. So, um, Paul in Paul's letters, what does Paul say? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the church in Ephesus, we write grace and peace be to you. And, and then he ends with these kind of flowing endings. John doesn't do any of that. He jumps right into it. Now, one of the things that we have to understand is John was writing this around the year, let's say between 90 and a hundred. Jesus died on the cross and rose again in what year? Let's call it 32, 33 AD. Okay? Somewhere in there, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Then what happened 50 days later? Pentecost. The church was born. Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit descends. People begin to speak in tongues. And, and, and 3,000 people get saved. Then all these 3,000, the 12 disciples, the others that were followers that began to follow Jesus while he walks, Jesus sends them out and they go out and they begin to start churches. In the meantime, God is raising up a guy named Saul who's changing his life and redirecting his life just like he did John. And Saul, who is now Paul, is being personally trained by the Lord Jesus Christ on the back of the, of the desert. And when he's ready, he's going to go out and start, start a bunch of churches. And then when Paul leaves these churches, now I'm talking A.D. 33 to, let's say, A.D. 90, that, that period in there somewhere, that's 60 years. 
Then during that time, Paul starts these churches, he leaves, and then he finds out some good stuff that's happening in these churches that he started and some stuff that's not so good. And so Paul writes a letter and he sends it to him and he says, hey, I hear when you guys in Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, I hear that, you know, you guys are are taking communion as you're supposed to. But I also hear that you're doing it wrong. And here's some things that you need to fix. and, And here's some things that you do well. And that's basically the New Testament is Paul writing these letters back to these churches. Well, one of the things that had happened and rose up in the early church about 60 years later, after the church was was growing and going and spreading, was a group called the Gnostics. Now, we still have something along that line today. People, you ever met anybody that calls themselves or claims to be an agnostic or, or, or an atheist? Atheist and agnostic, or atheism says basically there's no God. Agnostic is basically saying um, we're not sure. We just don't serve him either way. We, we don't care. We don't know if there is or not without knowledge. The, the, the word agnostic, if you meet an agnostic, just tell them that the, the Latin form of the word is ignoramus. So you're, you're self-identifying as an ignoramus. And the Bible says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. So, so this group of agnosticism and agnostics rose up in John's day. And John's coming right out of the gate, gloves off, old man John. He doesn't care. He's not trying to impress you. And, and, and he is dealing with, you have to understand as we get into this, he's dealing with this, this doctrine, this theology of Gnosticism that basically in a nutshell had the wrong, the wrong Jesus. Now, I spent some time this week studying what the Gnostics believed, what they taught, so that that if we know what the Gnostics believe and what they taught, as we read through this and saw what John was dealing with, that that you would understand a little better. And then I thought, you know what? I probably don't need to tell you what the Gnostics believed 2,000 years ago. I, I can probably look at 2016, and I can find the same illustration today that, 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 that illustrates the same thing. Today... People have the wrong Jesus. Do you agree? So, not to pick on anybody, and I know there's maybe some new people, some guests here. Please don't take this as bashing. I'm just, I'm just talking truth. And, and, and I don't do it often for this reason. But listen, do the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons have the same Jesus? No. Friend of mine, um, Mormon, some Jehovah Witnesses coming down the street door to door, calls and warns. A Mormon calls and warns. Hey, oh, hey, just want to warn you. There's some JWs coming down the street. So they, they don't have the same. You get two of them together. They don't have the same Jesus. They don't agree. How about Christianity and Islam? Do we have the same Jesus? Do, do you realize that Islam has Jesus? There is a Jesus in, in the Quran. Jesus is mentioned in the Quran 25 times. More times than the Prophet Muhammad himself, Jesus is mentioned in the Quran. If you, if you look at Islamic prophecy, in, in Islam, in Islamic prophecy, Jesus is a, a key player in coming back. And just like we have biblical prophecy that we believe in, Jesus' return, the way it's going to play out, the book of Revelation, Islam has the same type of prophecies. But in their prophecies, they're much different, obviously. And their Jesus is not God. Matter of fact, the number one sin of Islam and and for a Muslim is to say that God had a son. Because God has no son, nor has he begotten. Jesus didn't die on a cross. Okay, but he's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He's a good guy. He's like Elijah and and the rest of them. And and he's going to come back. And when Jesus comes back, according to Islamic 
um, prophecy, he's going to tell the Christians and the Jews that we were wrong and that, that Islam is the true religion. That, that's according to Islamic prophecy. The only point I make, listen, this is the point I'm making. Is it the same Jesus that we believe and we study in our Bible? Is that what Jesus, is that what the book of Revelation says Jesus is going to do in the last days? No. So, so they had the wrong Jesus and John is dealing with it. Okay, so this is what he says. He comes out of the gate. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So, so the first thing he says is from the beginning. Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And, and he starts that, that gospel. He wrote that the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the Word? Who's he talking about? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's John talking about in John 1.1? Jesus. I gave my Bible one time to a guy. He didn't understand, didn't believe in any of this stuff. And I said, hey, read verse 1. And he read verse 1 out loud, and I said, read verse 14. And he read verse 14, and he looks at me, and he's like, Jesus is the word. And I was like, you said it, not me. But yes, to answer your question, that's what it says. I didn't, I didn't write the stuff, you guys. I just read it. I didn't write it. Jesus is the word. And John says he was from the beginning. So John is making a case that he was eternal. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's, he's, he's the savior of the world. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he, he is, has no beginning. Now, it's hard for us to understand no beginning because outside of time in, in eternity, there, there's eternity forward and eternity back. And there, there, there's really no beginning or end. There's no stopping point. And that concept, we just don't grasp. Our minds won't grasp it. So John says, whenever it was and however you want to look at it, in the beginning, whenever it started and God started, guess who was there? Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus could not be created by God. He's not a spirit brother of, 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 of Satan. He's not um, a good person or a prophet. He is God in the flesh. And John comes right out of it. And then he's like, he's like, man, we touched him. We heard him. We listened to him. Like, what's wrong with you people? Like, I was there. What do you mean he's a spirit, as the Gnostics would teach? What do you mean he's not in the flesh? I beheld him. You know, witnesses are so important, right? In any court of law, you want to to win a case? You got a good witness? Not too good. You got two good witnesses? Better. You got three witnesses? Now you're really doing good. John here, 12 witnesses, the disciples, that that are witnesses, eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. If you go to a court of law and the judge says, you're a witness, and you say, yeah, my my friend heard him say this. My friend heard him say, and I, I heard my friend say that he said, hearsay, get out of here. You're not a good witness. But if you say, I, I heard him say, now getting a little better. And the judge says, what did you see? Well, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I just, okay, not so good. And the judge says, what did you see? You say, well, I was standing right there, firsthand account, and I saw this. And then you get 10 other people that were standing right there, and they come, and they say, this is what I saw, and this is what I heard. Now we have a solid witness. And John is saying, with the, with the disciples and with the rest, man, I was there. I saw him. I touched him. He's real. He's my, he's my bestie. He's my homie. No, Jesus ain't your homeboy. We talked about that last week. And then he says, 
We have seen him with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands and have handled concerning the word of life. And so Jesus is the word and the life was manifest. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was manifest with the father was manifested to us. Super important. Do do you guys think, let me ask a question. Do, Do you think it's important that we get the right Jesus? Now, we've already established, right, and we're just being honest, the Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe in the same Jesus that we do. The Mormons believe in a different Jesus. The, the Muslims believe in a different Jesus. And we, I guess you, you put us in that category, we believe in a different Jesus. We believe in the Jesus that just from Genesis to Revelation that the Bible teaches. That's all the information they need. So it, it doesn't matter. Or, or all Jesus is going to get you to heaven. Or all Jesus is going to be a Savior who's going to save your sins. It's a life and death matter. It's so key, right? And, and John says, hey, this Jesus that I love, check it out. This is what he's like. This is who he is. I want you to know him. I want you to be friends with him. He wants to be your friend. He loves you. But I'm telling you, we got to get the right Jesus. It's a matter of life and death. Now, you know, we, you, we talk to people all the time, right? You talk to people and can't kind of have the kind of flimsy idea like, well, you believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You're all right. I'm all right. We're all okay. And this is kind of a prevailing idea in our culture, in our society that that we deal with. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. You know, I, I had some Mormon missionaries tell me that one time. And, and in love, and in love, 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 I tried to tell them, listen, I, I also believe in your Joseph Smith. You do? I said, yeah. He he was the guy that he used to ride Puff the Magic Dragon. He used to hang out in a land called Otomy. And he, he he's cousins with Gandhi and... Um, and, and him and mother Teresa were kind of hanging out for a while. I believe in him too. Well, that, that's not, that's not Joseph Smith. So well, it doesn't matter. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. It's, you know, we're both, we're both Christians. It's cool. And, and, and just to try to explain, like, it, it, it's an issue of who Jesus is. And if we got the wrong Jesus, it is kind of important. And you want me to, um, just, just, Accept that, that it's okay. It's Jesus. Jesus is the same. No, it's really, really, really important that we get the right Jesus. It's really important that, as Jesus said, you do err because you haven't known the Holy Scriptures. And all the, all the stuff that's out there. there. There's a right one and a wrong one. One of my favorite messages I ever preached was a couple Easter's ago. You can get the tape. You can get the message. But basically, the message was this. Do not believe what I tell you or who I tell you Jesus is. Do not believe who the Jehovah Witnesses tell you Jesus is. Do not believe who the Mormons tell you Jesus is. Do not believe who, who the Muslims tell you Jesus is. But do yourself and do me a favor and, and, and listen to who Jesus said he was. Who did Jesus say that he was? Who did the people that walked with Jesus and knew him personally, who did they say that he was? Who did the best, what does the best friend of Jesus have to say about him? What does Mary and Martha, the people in Lazarus, the guys and the people that, that loved Jesus and spent a lot of time with him, what did they have to say about him? And then make a decision for yourself on who Jesus is as you study that. So it's super important. And that's, that's, that's what John is saying. Okay. That's where we're getting at in John chapter one. John's coming out and he's saying, look, this is who Jesus is. And in, in verse three. It says that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Everybody turn with me to Acts chapter two, verse 42. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. One more time. Fellowship. Fellowship. 
Come on, Chris. Fellowship. Fellowship. Um, so, the, 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 the term fellowship, do you guys understand what it means? It's, 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 fellowship is hanging out. You know, every church had a fellowship hall. and a, Because this idea of fellowship is very churchy. It's very important to church for good reason. Today, you know, the word everybody wants to use today because we're too cool for fellowship. We use the word com- community. And, and community carries the same idea. But all the new churches, everything you see advertised now, using where we used to have a fellowship hall, today we don't have a fellowship hall anymore. We're like more relevant. We have a, a community hall. And, and it's the same room. It does the same thing. People go in there and they hang out and they become friends. So much of what Lydia and I do in our, in our marriage ministry is is just about building friends. Just about hanging out and loving each other and being friends and barbecuing and, and, and having building relationships among couples in the church that when, when there's a birthday party that now last year you wouldn't have had this family over, but now you're friends with this family and you have them over and, and doing things in our ministry that promotes this, this community and this fellowship. That's the whole heart of, of Sunday night with the Abide Bible study is I want to start creating some more community among our younger, our younger group and our younger people and something for them. And so as we build this community, I just want to stress that, that, you know, as John is going to start here, the first thing he's going to kick off is that you might have fellowship. And before he even talks about it, God, he says that you would have fellowship with who? With us. Person, with people. John, John, the best friend of Jesus, old man John, starts by saying that you would have fellowship with us. In Acts 2.42, I gave you lots of time to turn there. Are you there? No, you're still struggling. Acts 2.42. In Acts 2.42, we, um, we get the early church, right? The early church was born in Acts chapter 2, right? Somebody say born. The early church was born in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell. 3,000 people got saved. They began to speak in tongues. The early church was born and the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. Well, they, they, they had to go out and they had to start starting churches. They had to go out and preach the gospel and gather as believers. And, and so how, how do, what is Jesus' plan? What if Jesus walked in our door right now? If Jesus walked in the door and he had a report card and he was going to give us a grade on how we're doing according to his will, his plan for how we do church, would, would this be the way that, that Jesus would want us to do church in 2016? Sing some songs, try to fellowship, love each other, spend some time, teach the word, close in a song, receive an offering, go home. I don't know. That's how we do it. So I hope it's at least okay. But, um, but, but so in, to answer that question, you go to the Bible and you say, okay, where in the Bible does it answer that question? Well, the first place you would obviously look is what did the early church do? How, how did they conduct church services? Acts 2.42 is the answer. Okay. This is what the early church did. It says the early church, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Everybody say apostles doctrine and fellowship. Say fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. That's what the Bible tells us. Four things. Four things that the early church did. Fellowship, breaking of bread, the apostles or the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. It's what we're doing, reading, studying the word, the apostles' doctrine, and prayer. I'm going to work backwards. We're going to start with prayer. It, it's God's will. Jesus said I will be, um, that, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's God's will that we pray in church. You know, the hardest meeting, again, to get a church people to come to is a prayer meeting. If I stand up here and I pray too long, people get irritated. 
I'm like, hey, we're in church. Shouldn't we be praying? Why is it foreign that we're praying in church? But, but that, that's God's will that we pray. And so we do pray. We pray as a church. The second one, he said, was, was the apostles' doctrine. And so we're studying the word. That's what we're doing now. But what's interesting is there's only four pillars of the early church, and two of them have to do with fellowship. The Holy Spirit inspired um, us as church people to fellowship, to have community. That, that's, the, that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because when he gave us only four things to do, two of them have to do with fellowship. And one of them is the word fellowship, and the other one is breaking bread. What do we do when we break bread together? We fellowship. And if you come when I'm making tri-tip and ribs, then it's a good fellowship. And, and that, that's, that's hanging out. That's being friends. That's loving each other. You know, in the old custom, and even around the world to this day, there, there, there's something special when you share a meal. And some customs believe that if I, if I bake a loaf of bread, and I break off, and I, and I eat some, and I give you some to eat, that you and I have become one because we share from that same bread of life that, that sustains us both. And in the Western culture, maybe we're a little bit different, but the, the, the idea that God desires for us to fellowship with one another, for us to love one another. Amen? So back to John. So that's what John says, that you would have fellowship. And then what does he say in the second part of verse 3? And that truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. You know what brings us together in here today? What's one common denominator that brings us together? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I wouldn't hang out with you people if it wasn't for Jesus. Just kidding. I would hang out with you guys. I definitely wouldn't hang out with the people of the other church. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You guys are great. But it's Jesus, right, that brings us together. And and you know what? As we come to church and we fellowship, there's probably people that are like us, that have things in common, that look like us, that talk like us. And that's probably people we're going to gravitate to. But the reality is there's tons of people in church settings, in church, in families that are not like us at all. And we still love them. We still hang out with them. We still have fellowship with them because it's Jesus that brings us together. When I was in high school, there was a kid, and, and his name was David. And... David and I had the, were arch enemies. It started like in junior high. But by the time we got to high school, for whatever reason, I don't even remember. Honestly, I don't remember why we hated each other so bad. But we fist fought three different times. It got so bad that if I would see David, we wouldn't talk. There would be nothing to talk about. If I ran into him on the street, we were going to fight. One day I was in the Galleria, Redondo Beach Mall, Redondo Beach, California. The Galleria, I'm at the mall, I'm on the third floor. And I'm walking, and I see David coming at me. No words were spoken. Whatever was in my hands, I dropped them. He dropped what he had, and we started rolling around on the ground in the mall in Redondo Beach. Happened three different times. Hated him. He hated me. Enough just to, didn't even need to talk. When I became a Christian, I was like 20 years old. About six months later, there was one of those Greg Laurie Harvest Crusades. And I'm in the nosebleed section. I must have got there late. And I had the worst seats. But at least in the nosebleed section, I was sitting right on the rail. And the walkway was, was in front of me. And I'm there. And, you know, we're probably singing, Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. You know, going back and forth with our chants and having a good old time. And, and, and I hear somebody yell, Chris. And I look down. There's David. And he smiles. He said, how long have you been a Christian? I said, about six months. How about you? And I went down. I gave him a hug. It was over. True story. It was done. 
It was, you know, and Jesus, there was a fellowship that brought us together. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. We didn't remember. We didn't talk about why we hated each other or who beat who up or I won all the fights, by the way. (laughs) But, you know, it was it was Jesus and it was that fellowship in Jesus that brings us together. How are we doing on time? We're going to wrap up right now. Sorry, I got to check the time. All right. Um, last verse, and then we're done. And, and we did it last week, so you guys are out of here. It says in verse 4, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So we, we've already unpacked the joy verse last week. So we're, we're not going to do it again today. But just to know that, that, that Jesus is concerned for your joy. Jesus wants you to have joy. In this life, and, and one of the reasons why John writes is John experienced joy. And John was a guy. You know the story, and, and history tells us something about John. Um, they, the Rome tried to murder John. And, and just like we get the stories in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. What does the Bible say? It says when they came out of the fiery furnace, and, and Nebuchadnezzar was so mad, it says that he turned the fire up seven times hotter than he normally would use to execute people. It was so hot that the soldiers who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, the fire came out and consumed several of the soldiers that were throwing him into the fire. And then, and then I don't know how it was built. I can only imagine in my mind's eye what it looked like. But Nebi, it was built in such a way, this kiln, this fire that these three men were thrown into, that Nebuchadnezzar, standing on a perch, could look down and see inside the flames. And he said, didn't I throw three men into the flames? And yet there's a fourth. And the fourth one looks like the Son of Man, is what Nebi said. I don't know. Praise God, he gave us some good commentary. Jesus was in the fire. But, but then... It says when they came out, the Holy Spirit tells us that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. That not, not one of their hairs were singed. And, and, and John, in the New Testament, tradition tells us, the Bible doesn't record this, that, that he was dipped into hot oil. And that was one of the ways that they would, they would, they would kill the early Christians. And so you guys ever fried some donuts at home? How about some chicken? You guys fry some chicken. You know, get some hot oil. A piece of oil touches you, your skin will melt off. They dipped John in the oil, and they pulled him up. He just shook it off, you know, and he was fine. And they couldn't kill him, so they sent him to the island of Patmos, where, where he was given the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he wrote the book of Revelation. But here's a guy who didn't live a, a Disneyland life. He didn't live a peachy, keen, wonderful life all the time. But you know what he had in his heart that was deeper than his happiness and deeper than his circumstances? He had this God-given joy. And and there's a huge difference between joy and happiness, right? I I could write you a check today for 10 grand. You guys come up afterwards and I'll write some checks. You'd be happy until you get to the bank. And that thing bounces. You might as well take it over to the gym and play basketball with it. You won't be happy anymore. Your happiness changes based on your circumstance, right? When, When things go well, we're happy. When things that we're going well or not, we're not happy, but joy is different. And John said that your joy might be full. And I want you to know today, that's the heart of Jesus for you. The heart of Jesus for you as Christ followers is that you have this, this joy in your life that's just deeper, that's just based on the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you can know, you know, you know, you know, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Amen? 
Amen. Let's have the worship team come up. Let's stand together. We're going to close in a song. The, the reason why we, we close in a song is just so that, you know, we can take this opportunity to connect with the Lord. And maybe God spoke to you while you're here. Not, not because of anything I said in spite of what I said. God speaks to you because he loves you. And, and believe me, God's not going to leave your eternity, your life, your decisions based on whether it was a good sermon or not. God loves you way more than that. You know, we, we could do the altar call at the beginning of the service and the same people would respond if God has been calling and working in their hearts and lives because the Lord loves you that much that he, he loves you so much that he wants to come in and change your life. Maybe you've come this morning and you, you knew when you got here, man, something was going to change. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's been calling you and drawing you. So we want to give you an opportunity this morning to ask Jesus in your heart if you've never done that, to get right with Jesus if you've never done that, and that... Um, I'm just going to pray. Several different ways we can do this. I can ask you guys to come forward. I can leave you where you are and just ask you to raise your hand. I can ask you to pray. I would encourage you. I don't want to embarrass anybody in here today. So we're just going to pray together because it's a matter of the heart. Um, you know, Jesus said that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. And that we just want to be unashamed. And there is something changing in your Christian life. That's what baptism is about. We're going to be we're going to do baptisms at the end of this month. It's about being public with your faith and not being ashamed. And so I encourage you guys to step out. It'll change your life. But I do want to give you an opportunity this morning. The way we'll do it, we'll just pray. And I'll have everybody pray out loud so that, that everybody's comfortable. And the magic is not in the words. It's in your heart. But if you want to give your life, if you want to get your life right with the Lord this morning, if you want to become born again, if you want to just rededicate, if you want to confess something in your life this morning, give you the opportunity to do that so will you guys close your eyes and bow your head with me and pray out loud with me together and again we're all going to say the same words but god's listening for your heart and if the holy spirit's been tugging on your heart this morning you just pray this you call out to him and he's going to he's going to work in your heart this morning dear lord jesus please come into my life be my lord and savior i'm a sinner who needs a savior confess my sin and I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.